Good morning, Oakwood Church. So glad that you're here today with us. What a great time of uh, just praising the Lord together, uh, singing glory to His name this morning. And uh, just uh, I hope that's an area of growth in us this year as we just uh, continue to grow as a church, is just that we would grow uh, deeper in worship and adoration of our God. And, and not only for what He's done for us, because He's done so much for us, but also for just who He is. And what he's done through his son Jesus Christ as he sent him to be a sacrifice for us. And may, may that always be center and present in this church and in, and in our worship services is the God of Christ. And uh, before we go into the series this morning in, in a great bumper video, which really lays the foundation for what we're talking about the next several weeks, just want to encourage you and, and again, just want to plug, uh, we, we usually do a devotional together as a church, and this year we're more doing a Bible study guide, it's called Core 52, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, uh, they're available out in the lobby after service every week, uh, it is, uh, it's basically like an essay about a section of scripture, some biblical concepts, some Bible memorization, uh, it, it is really good, now it is challenging, um, I, it's one of those that you might want to read the essay twice. I heard somebody comment this week that uh, we're going into the deep end of the pool uh, with, with, with this Core 52 this year, and we are, but I think it's great for us to, to read and then to think, to meditate, to study God's Word, and to, uh, to be able to make it our own, to be able to internalize it and make it a part of who we are as Christ followers. And so uh, I think it's very, very important, and if you're ready to step up to that challenge, as so many of us uh, have done so far, uh, pick up a Core 52 start today. Uh, there's even online discussion groups about it. If you if you got a question or something, a great way to interact, great way to grow in the new year and grow in that knowledge of the Bible. And so I invite you to be a part of that. We did start uh, this series last week called Anxious for Nothing. And, and last week we really focused on the fact that God is near. Uh, we read that in verse 5, that, that God is near, that we need to remember that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter how we feel, because sometimes our feelings aren't even right about the Lord God Almighty, is that He is near to us in all of our circumstances. And because of that, we can lean and depend and put our faith in Him. And we're going to continue uh, in this series today uh, talking about um, anxious for nothing, that we are called not to be anxious people, but we're called to be people, people that are faith-filled, believing in God. He is who he says he is. He can do all he's promised to do, and we are going to put our faith in that. So I'm glad you're here today uh, for, for part two of the series. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, that'll be our, our, our scripture for the series. I really want us to soak this in. I would love it if you'd accept the challenge to maybe uh, take this passage to memory, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. I just think it's uh, powerful to have the Word of God in your heart to have it on automatic recall anytime that you need it. I believe God works through those things. And, you know, as we're talking about anxiety, I just really want us to remember that, you know, so many times I think that we can, um, we can wear our problems on the outside of us. But when we're talking about depression, if we're talking about anxiety, if we're talking about stress, um, loneliness, uh, maybe just a deep sadness in our heart, sometimes that doesn't appear on the outside as much. Because when we come into church on Sunday morning and, and you see your buddy that you haven't seen uh, maybe since last week or maybe since Wednesday night in small group and you see him and, and he's got a warm smile on his face, he sticks out his hand and he's like, how are you doing this morning? Our tendency is to want to say what we want to be, right? Which is, I'm fine. It's good. I'm good. How about you? You know, how are you doing? You know, oh, I'm good too. But I think this anxiety and the stress and I think this is an internal struggle. 
And then a lot of times we, even as Christians, and it's not that we're trying to be untruthful or, or be deceptive to people, but sometimes we feel like the proper thing to do is to put on the outside not how we're actually feeling or who we actually are on the inside. We, we actually put up this front that we're fine, everything's fine, everything's good, and it's really not. Which we, maybe maybe we, we're struggling, maybe we're really having a hard season in our life. And I think that sometimes I would encourage us to be transparent. Um, that when that friend reaches out to you, to be actually be able to share with them maybe what you're struggling with. That they could be praying for you as you're, as you're praying as well and reaching out to God. And that through that, there'd be this growth and this dependency, not only on each other as God's church, but also on the Lord God Almighty. Because these, these internal struggles are not seen. You know, you can't come up and, and see if somebody has a disease and they have a rash on their face. You can see that, but it's hard to see anxiety. It's hard to see that they're stressed out all the time to the point it's actually physically affecting them. It's hard to see that sometimes. And, and so I want to encourage you to, to just be real. And, and I also want you to know that if you're one of those this morning, you're like, you know what, I struggle with this. I've always struggled with this. Maybe I'm in a good season right now. Maybe I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really struggling right now. Don't be alone in that. Because what like we talked about last week, about half of us are dealing with it right now. So you can look around and you can say, you know what, there's someone else just probably sitting really close to me right now that's dealing with the same thing. So don't be alone in that and know that God has hope for you. We find that in the, in the scripture. Philippians chapter 4, reminder uh, of the Apostle Paul that writes this to the Christians in Philippi, to the church in Philippi. His condition is what? He's in a Roman prison, which is more than likely a dungeon underground. He never sees the light of day. He is chained to a Roman guard. The Roman guard's name is Hercules. I don't know that. I'm just saying that. But anyway, uh, you know, Hercules is like six foot ten and weighs about 400 pounds. He's all muscle. He's chained to this guy. I mean, this, you know, Paul can't even go to the bathroom without this guy being with him all the time. It's, it's kind of debilitating. It's humiliating. It's a horrible circumstance. And if you can think of that, what you might write to encourage Christians, check what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And because of that, the Apostle Paul can get through a Roman prison sentence. And because of that, we find out we can get through anything in life if we'll lean in and depend on God. And today we're going to be really focusing on verse 6. Verse 6 says this, do not be anxious about everything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. But I think for this series, we really need to define anxiety. What is anxiety exactly? As I was thinking about a definition for it this week, I came up with one on my own. I wanted to see how close I could get to Webster, you know. And, and so I, I was thinking through this. I was like, anxiety would be like a, a feeling that you have um, about the, the, the something's coming up that you don't want to deal with or a circumstance that, that you just don't want to even think about. It's coming up and it produces stress in your life. And that was kind of, you know, just off the top of my head, my definition. Here's how Webster's actually defines anxiety. Anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness or unease about an imminent event 
or uncertain outcome. Well, that, you know, that's right. I mean, that wraps it up pretty well, doesn't it? Anxiety is this feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or an uncertain outcome. The imminent event could be that conversation you don't want to have at work tomorrow, and you're not looking forward to it. You're going to have to go confront this person. They're not pulling their weight at work. And so you, you, this, there's this anxiety about, I don't know how he's going to take it, and if he's going to be my friend or like me anymore, but I know this is right. And I know that Scripture calls me to do the right thing, leave the results to God, but I, man, it's going to be really hard because I may lose this relationship because I have to confront this person, and, and oh, I, I just don't know about that. So it could be an imminent event, or it could be an uncertain outcome. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, we weren't, we weren't able to, to, to pay our bills, and so I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, that there's, this, there's this thing going on, you know, with the doctor, and I'm seeing them, and, and I just don't know. We're going to take these tests, and I don't know what the outcome of the test is going to be. And, and so it produces in, this, in us this anxiety, and it can really become a pattern in your life if you're not careful. It's this pattern in your life, and it, and it creates this unease and this worry, this tension, this stress. But I want to redefine I want to redefine anxiety today because this is how I think the Apostle Paul would define anxiety. It would be redefined like this. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. That's what anxiety is for a Christian. At least that's what it should be. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. What if we could live our lives in that truth? That it would just be a signal and to tell us to pray. Because isn't that what he's saying in the passage today? He says, he says rejoice in all circumstances. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, Paul, every situation, by what? By prayer and petition. Petition means bringing your requests to God. You're petitioning God. You're coming to him over and over again. Give us the idea of kind of repetition, okay? That we are going to petition God. We're going to constantly bring our, our needs to him. We're going to constantly say that to him, prayer and petition. And with thanksgiving, we're going to be thankful for who God is because he is who he says he is. He can do all he's promised to do. And we're going to present these prayer requests to God. We're going to be constantly going to him in prayer. Anxiety is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Now, I want you to think about this. I have a 2008 Nissan Altima. It has about 170,000 miles on it. Okay? I have a light on my dashboard that now greets me every time I push the button in the car to start it. It's called the TPMS sensor. Does anyone have a TPMS sensor? Anybody know what that is? All right, several of you nodding your head. You know what that is? Tire pressure monitoring system. Glorious invention, right? Glorious invention. Great, great. Okay, and so what it does is it tells you, because we're lazy as Americans, uh, it tells you that you don't have to use a tire pressure gauge anymore, that your tire will send a signal to a computer inside of your engine block somewhere, and it will tell you on there that, hey, you have a tire that's low. I mean, isn't that awesome? You don't have to have a little gauge anymore. You don't have to check it every time you fill up with gas. It will just tell you. It's so wonderful until it stays on all the time. Mine has been on all the time for about almost three years now. 
And it first started out, I was like, okay, do I have a flat tire? I'm checking the pressure with the old school gauge. I'm like, no, I've got 32 pounds of pressure on every tire. That's what it's supposed to be. I don't get it. So I take it to a shop. They said, oh, we're just going to reset your sensor. Sometimes those sensors got to be reset. So they reset my, my sensors inside the tires. That doesn't work. One of them was intermittently faulty. We replaced that. Wasn't very much money. And I was like, okay, great. You know, still not working. And so I take it down in the Nissan place, and they do all their diagnostics on it. They said, oh, guess what? It's like the brain of the TPMS is bad. And so because of that, you're going to need like this new component under the hood, and it'll run you with labor and everything about $1,000. And I'm like, I'm not spending $1,000 on my 2008 Nissan Altima with 170,000 miles. It's like, that's crazy. I was like, I like that feature, you know, but it's like I'm not going to spend that kind of money on it. And I, so it stays on all the time. But why, why do we have those in cars? Maybe for you it's a TPMS sensor, or maybe for you it's a check engine light. Isn't that the worst light in the world? I mean, when that light comes on, I get anxiety because <laughs> you don't know how much it's going to cost. Every time it comes on, I was like, oh, man, I know it's going to cost $79 to hook it up and find out what it says. But beyond that, it's usually, you know, at least 300 bucks, you know, every time that light comes on. You, you, you know that. And so that creates anxiety. But the problem with it is not the light, right? We want the light to go off, right? If you, were, if you have that check engine light right now, what do you want? You want to go out to your car after church, you want to start up and have it just be gone, right? But the light is not the problem. I, I, you probably un, un connect the wire and never light up ever again, but the light's not the problem. What is the light doing? The light is alerting you to a problem, Okay, and what does the light encourage you to do? When that light comes on, it's encouraging you to do what? To take your automobile into a shop to someone who can fix it. It's taking that automobile into someone who has been trained and factory certified, and they've got computers and equipment and tools, and they even have that star wrench that's got like 19 points on it that you can never find yourself. And they've got all the tools right there. And so you're supposed to, that light is saying, take this to someone who can fix it. It's the same thing with prayer that the Apostle Paul's talking about. That anxiety and worry and stress and depression and all these things would be a signal to us, alerting us that it's time to pray. It's time to take it to someone who can fix it. Because you can't fix it on your own. And guess what? Sometimes your doctor can't fix it. And sometimes your counselor can't fix it. Sometimes your best friend or your spouse can't fix it for you. And so it's a reminder. It's a signal alerting us. Take it to someone who is factory certified and fixing people because he built people from the beginning. Take it to God himself. Present your request to God. And so when we feel that, when we are in that moment, I want you from now on to think about it in those terms. When I'm feeling anxious, it is, it is a signal alerting me that it's time to pray because that's what Paul says. That's what he's saying there in verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, what steps do I need to take, Paul, so I'm not anxious about anything? And he says, in every situation, every situation, okay, what do I need to do? He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Whenever and whatever the circumstances, quit making prayer your last resort and make it your first response. Then when you feel anxiety come on, when you are starting to feel stressed out about your circumstances, feeling stressed out about decisions that you need to make, we're going to talk about decisions in a couple weeks because I think some of us have decision anxiety about, man, I just, I just don't know what the right answer is, and so we're going to be talking about that. But when you get to that point that you would actually present your requests 
to God and trust in him to give you the result. And then this isn't going to be the last thing you do. It's the last resort. The, you know, I went to this and I did this and I did this and then I prayed. No, no, no. When we feel that, come on. It's a signal alerting us saying God wants to hear from us. He wants us to present those requests to him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the same guy that wrote Philippians, the Apostle Paul, is writing now to a group of Christians in Thessalonica in a church there. And he says this. Check this out. See if you see any parallels from Philippians 4 to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Always a reminder that it's only in Christ Jesus that we can do these things. It's only in Christ Jesus that we can look these circumstances in the face and pray to Almighty God and be released of the burden of the fear and anxiety and all that it's bringing to us. Look what he says. He says, rejoice always. Philippians 4, I'll say it again, rejoice. He says, pray without ceasing. He says in Philippians, through prayer and petition. Give thanks in all circumstances. In Philippians 4, he says, with thanksgiving, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in this life because of God. Now, the interesting thing here, as you read this passage, and I don't want you to miss it in verse 6, is it actually says, with thanksgiving. Isn't that interesting? Through prayer and petition, comma, with thanksgiving, comma, present your requests to God. And then he mentions it again here in 1 Thessalonians. And here's the deal with thanksgiving. I think he wants us to be, have this perspective of God, that God is large and in charge, that there's nothing that he can't handle, and that there's nothing he's going to not get you through in life. No matter how dire and how bad the circumstances are and how bad the reports are, that you and God can get through anything in life, even into the end of life, even into heaven. He will be with you every step of the way, and you will make it through. And you will be a hopeful person, and you can be a joyful person because of who God is. And because of that, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, with thanksgiving. And it's amazing how that will change your perspective. How when you're actually thankful and grateful for who God is and you remember who he is, it changes your perspective radically. And I think that's why he includes that there in both of these passages. It's because he wants us to do it from this place of gratitude for who God is. Knowing who he is, understanding who he is, praising him for who he is. There's this thought of thankfulness in the middle of it. Because, let's be honest, could be worse. It could be worse. Maybe we need to have that be a part of this perspective change. I, I write it down sometimes to remind myself. It's, it's sometimes in my office, on my desk, and in certain places I put it. ICBW. Remember, Eric, could be worse. Could be worse. You could be driving a Ford instead of a Nissan. <laughs> All my Ford friends with their really nice trucks that last forever, yeah. But, you know, I mean, really, you think about whatever your circumstances, that, that's very trivial. Whatever your circumstances could be worse. You say, oh, now, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through right now. I made this decision. It caused this in my life. I'm humiliated. I'm going through all of this stress and this anxiety about it. And I bet you if you think through a scenario, it could be worse. Some of you, I've, I, man, I'm going through treatment for this disease that I have in my body. It's terrible. The prognosis is not good. It's not long term. And, 
But I bet if you pause for a minute, you could probably think through a scenario where, eh, could be worse. You need to think through that perspective sometimes. We have a heart of gratitude because we have the Lord God Almighty. And if we didn't have Him, guess what? It could be worse. It could be worse. But because we have God of the universe and all His power and all His might and all of His knowledge, that He loves us, that we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, and we say, Master, take care of me even to the end. Because of that confidence, we could say, oh, you know what? It doesn't matter what this world throws my way. It could be worse. This perspective that we need to have is that God is still in control and that he is still all-powerful. And because he is in control and because he is still all-powerful, guess what? Be thankful in every circumstance and lean and depend on him in your time of need. And the Apostle Paul would say, how you do this and how you practice this in the action step is to pray. You need to pray. When you feel anxiety, it is a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. And yet, so many of us don't do that. It seems so simple. Say a prayer. But yet, it's so daunting. I've dealt with this uh, in, in just counseling and, and helping people uh, in ministry through the, through the last several years. Is that some people actually don't pray because they don't know how to pray. And I just want to kind of clear this up this morning for you. Prayer is communication to God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is simply talking to God. Prayer is, that, 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 that's it. it it's not uh, something in a book that you read. Now, I know there's, there's prayers out there that are great prayers, and, 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 and you can read prayers sometimes, and sometimes they express your heart and, and put, put words in there for you. That's great, but God is not expecting that from you. In fact, the example that you see in Scripture from all of the prophets and all of the, the patriarchs of old, even into the New Testament, even to the Son of God, Jesus Himself, many times it's recorded that Jesus withdrew to a lonely place to pray. And what He did is He cried out to God. Do you remember His prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Heavenly Father, if there's any way to save the world other than to crucify me on the cross tomorrow, I would rather do it that way. But not my will, Your will be done. There was no book of prayers. There was no King James language. There was no angelic moment. There was no special prayer language. Jesus just simply expressed to the Heavenly Father what was on his heart. And that's what God asks of us, is that we pray and simply communicate to God. The problem is we've seen it done so many different ways, right? I mean, have you ever been around one of those people? I call them prayer ninjas, you know? I mean, they're so good at praying. They pray you know, and, and you're like a baby Christian, you know, and you're like, man, I don't even know how to pray. And you're getting in a prayer circle and they say this prayer that just like, I may as well go home now. Can we just amen it and go home? I don't even want to pray. And it's your turn. They squeeze your hand. You're like, oh God, oh Lord God, you're so good. And you start, start coming with slogans from like advertising. Like, God, you're good. You're so good to the last drop. <laughs> God, like a good neighbor, you're always there for me. And, you know, you know and, and so many people get caught up in, like, the King James stuff. Oh, Lord, thy bounty thou hast provided for me in thy supplication. Please bringeth unto me in my manifold in this season. You know, it's like, what does that mean exactly? I mean, we're speaking in a language from, like, three or 400 years ago. Okay, it's English, but it's like a dialect that we don't use. And God's not impressed by that. He doesn't care how many times you say propitiation for my sins in a prayer. He's not impressed by that. All he'd like to hear 
is your heart and your mind expressed to him through communication that we call prayer. And that's what we need to do is we just need to pray. You just need to pray. And when you feel anxiety and you feel worry and you feel stress, what if instead of it being your last resort, it's your first response? And now when I encounter that this week, because maybe some of you encounter it maybe every day, maybe it's your job, just, man, struggle. Maybe it's school. Maybe it's being around a certain group of people. You know, maybe it's just around a certain person in your life. You're just, oh, it's like instead of allowing Satan to run around and plant all these seeds in your mind and kind of mess with you, it's like, you know what? This anxiety, this feeling that I feel is just, is just a signal alerting me that it's time to pray. And when I pray, I'm just going to talk to God. Have you not read some of the prayers of the Old Testament? And God can handle your prayer. You might say, well, I'm, I'm kind of mad at God right now, and I'm afraid I'll say something that he doesn't like, and then he'll put me in prayer time out for seven weeks. He won't answer any of my prayers anymore. No, God can handle it. Do you remember Elijah last week? I mean, Elijah running, running away from his circumstances, and he's crying out, you know, oh, Lord, take my life. I don't even want to live anymore. God gives him a gift called life, and he doesn't even want to have it anymore. God can handle maybe even your deepest and your darkest times of prayer. And he wants to hear from you in the circumstances. And the way that we're going to overcome that, and the way we're going, to, we're going to connect to God, and we're going to, the way we're going to stay connected, and the way we're going to be able to even pray it with thanksgiving is by having this perspective because God is near. We learned that last week. And through prayer and petition, through constant communication with Him, He is going to answer our prayers according to His will in Christ Jesus. And here's the fact. This is what I want you to understand. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. It was big enough to worry about, and it's consuming your mind right now. Trust me, it's big enough to pray about. And the thing with God is he's all-knowing. He's like totally omnipotent. He already knows how you feel. He already knows your thoughts. He already knows how you think. He wants you to connect with him by communicating with him, allowing him to work through that and to do it with sincerity and honesty. As I was thinking about other people in the Bible uh, and, and, the, and the things that they go through, the struggles they go through, and how, how did their faith get them through? How did they depend on God? What did they do? What were they supposed to do? I thought about Peter. You know Peter, one of the disciples. Peter, the fisher of man, Peter. Peter, the on this rock I will build my Petros, using a play on his name. Peter, Peter the rock, Peter. Peter the rock. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when, the, when the Roman uh, detail is coming to arrest Jesus, he takes his sword out and cuts off one of the guard's ears. Impetuous, but passionate. I like him. Until just a few hours later, in the wee hours of the early morning, as Jesus is going through his mock trials, the same Peter that would die for Jesus, he's told him, I'll die for you. He denies even knowing Jesus three times. Peter, the man of faith that is now a denier. That same Peter. I thought about, you know, some of the passages that he writes, First and Second Peter, some of the things we see him do in the book of Acts. I want to share this with you. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, six to eleven. This is Peter. That same Peter we've been talking about here, he, he's talking to us here. Listen to what he says. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You talk about someone who experienced God in their life, the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time, he may exalt you. That word exalt means to lift up. So at the proper time, he may lift you up. You're feeling down. At the proper time, God's going to lift you up and out of that. Look what he says in verse 7. Casting what? Casting all of your anxieties on him. 
All of them, Peter? All of them. Every single one. Anything in life you're anxious about. Cast all of your anxieties on him. Why, Peter? Why would you do that? And he says, because he cares for you. The God of the universe cares for you. Verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering you are, that are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the entire world. You're not the only one that's going through circumstances and stress and anxiety and going through things. The, the brothers throughout the whole world, some of them persecuted only because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they're suffering that throughout the whole world. Resist that. This is to, to resist that, to stand firm in the faith. You're not the only one that's suffering. Verse 10, it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, what's God going to do, Peter? He will himself restore, he will confirm, he will strengthen and establish you. You know what that's saying? He's going to get you through it. He's going to get you through it. And to him be dominion, the powerful ruling authority. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. As we close this morning, I, I want to share two quick thoughts on Peter. Two different stories that involve water. Actually, they involve a lake. Peter, as one of Jesus' disciples, was a fisher of men, but I wonder sometimes with his water experiences if Peter maybe wasn't a swimmer. I'm just speculating here. There's nothing in Scripture to, to lead me to that, except that the circumstances on the lake, he tends to get a little crazy sometimes. One of the experiences is when he walks on water. You've heard of that, right? Peter walks on water. It's in the middle of the night. Jesus has sent the disciples ahead to go to the other side of the lake. It's in the middle of the night, and it's dark, and, you know, there's a little bit of waves going back and forth to and fro, rocking the boat. It's pretty chill. Maybe it's a little foggy, but it's dark. It's hard to see. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes to the disciples walking on the water. When the disciples first see Jesus coming to them, they don't realize that it's him, or they can't identify him, or they're just not looking anymore. They're covering their eyes because they're like, oh, no, it's a ghost. It's a ghost coming to us on the water, and it wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. Jesus begins to approach them, and he says, hey, it's me. It's Jesus. Jesus had actually, what's interesting about this, Jesus had actually stayed back on the shoreline to go pray to the Heavenly Father, to go spend some time alone with the Heavenly Father. So he comes to them walking on the water. And Peter says, hey, Lord, if it's you, then I want to walk on the water. I want to come to you walking on the water. And so Peter Gutsy Peter, impetuous Peter, right? Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on the water toward Jesus. Now it's interesting what scripture says next. Because as he's walking toward Jesus on the water, it says that, that Peter began to look at the waves around him. And, and to, to, you know, it's kind of like he realized, I'm on water. There's, man, there's a big wave you know, slapping me in the thigh here, and there's splashing. And, and he started looking at the circumstances around him, and it says in Scripture he began to sink. And it was at that moment that it says that Jesus reached out his hand to Peter, grabbed him before he sank in the water, and lifted him back up. And he says to Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I'm Jesus, I'm here. I'm here for you. 
And I'm going to walk you out on this water and I'm not going to let you sink. But you start looking at these circumstances in life. That seems to be what happens, doesn't it? But there was another story of Peter with the disciples. I think it's really, really amazing. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. They're actually on a, a boat ride. Jesus is with them in the boat this time. But Jesus is asleep. Jesus had been teaching a lot. He had just been expending his energy so much. I think just in his, in his being 100% human as the Son of God, he was tired. He's asleep. And, and on this lake, it was known that these squalls would come up suddenly. Strong winds, storms could just blow up from anywhere. You know, little little cloud off in the distance, big cloud over your head 10 minutes later. And that's what had happened to him. It was, it was beginning to pour rain. The winds had come up with a squall, and there were some frontline winds that were rocking the boat and pushing waves in the boat in the water. And so the disciples, they're trying to bail water out. They're trying to, to move the boat. They're trying to get out of the way of the storm. And they're scared. They're afraid. They're stressed out. They have anxiousness about what's going to happen. And Jesus continues to sleep. And so after a few minutes of, of struggling with this, they're like, Jesus, wake up. Don't you care about us? Do something or we're going to die. And the scripture says that Jesus stood up in the boat and he said, peace, be still. And as soon as he spoke those words, it says the wind died down, the clouds broke, the rain stopped, and everything was calm. The disciples kind of take a step back and they're like, wow. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? I think it was one of those moments again where they remembered, surely this is the Son of God. This is the Son of God. And he's all-powerful. And he's there for us in our moments. And what did the disciples do? And what did Peter do every time these circumstances happened? Walking on water, in a boat in a storm, they turn to Jesus. They turn to God. And that's what we're called to do as Christians, is to turn to God in prayer. The same way is we're not reaching to ourselves or to anything in this world, but we're going to reach to the Lord God Almighty. And he's the one that's going to sustain us. And he's the one that's going to get us through. And he can get us through anything. And that's why, in your life, believer, I want anxiety to just be a signal alerting you that it's time to pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, your peace, your calmness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And that peace of God that only comes from the Heavenly Father, that peace of God that transcends all human understanding will guard what? He'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we will be a people who pray. Prayer is not going to be our last resort. Prayer is going to be our first response. And when you feel it welling up in you this week, and you feel that stress, and you feel that anxiety, I want you to remember two things. First of all, that the Lord is near. He's near to you in your time of need. And the second thing is, the way you're feeling is just a signal. It's just, it's just a light on your dashboard that says, hey, hey, it's time.
time to pray. And through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you're going to present your situation to God, and then you're going to choose to trust in Him. Let's pray right now about this. Right now, let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we can come to you in prayer at any time, in any way, at any place. Lord, it is so awesome to be able to come to the God of the universe because you're all-powerful, God. You've created all things, Lord. You have dominion over all. There is nothing that is not under your control. There is nothing that is not under your hand. Lord, we live in this sin-fallen world. We don't understand why bad circumstances come our way sometimes in life. We don't understand what's going on. We don't understand the results. It creates this anxiety. It creates this fear in us. Because we don't know what's going to be on the other side of it. The other side of that test. The other side of that talk that we have to have with someone. Whatever it is. The other, the other side of that bill that's coming in. It, it doesn't matter what, whatever's on the other side of it. We don't know. We're uncertain of the outcome. Or the imminence of the situation creates in us the stress. And yet the Apostle Paul in a dungeon prison beckons us to not be anxious about anything. To be anxious for nothing. It's because our perspective changes when we keep our eyes on you. God, that's what you've called us to. Lord, I believe there's someone here today that has never called you Savior and Lord. They've never made you the Lord of their life. They've never made that decision to give their life to Jesus Christ. And so this morning, God, I pray that they would respond as we sing the song in just a moment. Lord, I know there's others here that we've made that decision, but we have walked away from you. We've tried to do life on our own. It has left us empty. It has left us lonely. It has left us desperate. It has left us in, in sinful patterns in our life that we just don't be, we just can't seem to break. And so, God, we, we through prayer and petition, come to you now and say, Lord, help us. Get us back on the right path again. Lord, I believe there's some of us that we just need prayer with someone else. We just need a time where we can just, just dump our truck and allow someone to come alongside of us, to be that partner in prayer, that friend, that colleague, the elders of the church. These friends will meet in the decision room. But God, whatever it is, I pray as we sing this song, as we proclaim you in the next few moments, Lord, work in our hearts and minds that you can truly have peace because in Christ Jesus, we are your children, and you love us, and you want to deliver us. You want to be our Savior. You want to be our God. We just need to turn to you. God, I pray that you would not be our last resort, but you would be our first response in every circumstance. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.